360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. Broadcasting live from Hu Chin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area, this is Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced, engineered, and hosted by members of KPFA's First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin, and tonight we bring you sounds from May Day celebrations around Oakland. The First Voice Apprenticeship Program was there as part of a special collaboration with Workweek Radio and Bright Path Video. On tonight's show, we'll learn about May Day, a truly American holiday. Then we'll share audio from the Port of Oakland and Oscar Grant Plaza. And we'll let you know how you can check out the entire video broadcast and other May Day videos from around the Bay and around the world. And near the end of our show, we'll get a special update on the exhibit New Mestiz X, which opens tonight at Acción Latina in San Francisco. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin. Stay tuned. Again, welcome to Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. First, a big thank you to our listeners and supporters for all the generous donations that have been made over these past weeks. This is a listener-sponsored station, and we cannot continue to broadcast without your support. And it's appreciated. If you didn't get a chance to donate, you can still make a secure donation online at kpfa.org. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, this past May Day, May 1st, a.k.a. International Workers' Day, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program was out in the streets as part of a special team of Pacifica producers working to bring you sights and sounds from May Day celebrations and demonstrations around the Bay and around the world. May 1st is the original Labor Day, also known in most countries as International Workers' Day. May Day originated here in the United States, but is not widely recognized here. On May 1st in 1886, the eight-hour workday was scheduled to be implemented, but the new law met with resistance from certain business owners. In Chicago, this resistance was met by a strike to demand the eight-hour workday and other labor rights. Protests continued, and two days later on May 3rd, Chicago police wounded and killed several strikers. Then, on May 4th, labor organizers held a rally in Chicago's Haymarket Square. At that rally, an unknown individual threw a bomb at police. Rioting ensued, ending in the deaths of one civilian and seven police officers, plus multiple injuries. That August, despite a lack of evidence, eight men were convicted for the Haymarket bombing. November the following year, in 1887, four of the men were hanged. One man received a 15-year sentence. One committed suicide and the two remaining death sentences were commuted to life in prison. Within a few years, the Haymarket Square riot and aftermath became an official holiday 
which over time spread to much of the world. But in the U.S., it wasn't until 1894, seven years later, when our Labor Day was signed into law. May 1st was rejected as a day because of its association with Haymarket Square. Now, in my opinion, we have been diverted from the original meaning and spirit of International Workers' Day and have now instead been served up an imitation holiday that has more focus on drinking and partying than on workers' rights. But as we'll hear tonight, not here in the Bay Area. Before I go on, let me give a shout out and a thank you to our Mayday production teams that worked Mayday to bring you sights and sounds from the streets. Of course, us, the First Voice Apprentices, were there. A big thank you to Dennis Bernstein of Flashpoints and Miguel Gavila Molina of La Onda Bajita. Also, Workweek Radio and We Rise Productions. And of course, a special shout out to John Prulis of Bright Path Video, who provided an uninterrupted live video stream from Oscar Grant Plaza. Well, let's get into these first sounds. The day started when hundreds of workers gathered at Howard Terminal in Oakland, which holds much significance at this time as it is being proposed as the home of the Oakland A's new stadium, which would come at a cost of local union jobs. The rally kicked off at 11 a.m. At the rally were Oakland teachers, the ILWU, along with other unions and special guest speakers. One of those speakers was Sarah Nelson, president of the Association of Flight Attendants, the AFA and CWA. Nelson was instrumental in ending the government shutdown imposed by President Trump earlier this year, when on January 20th, she called for a general strike. A few days later, she alerted the media that the flight attendants were mobilizing immediately for a strike of their own. Within a couple hours, Trump agreed to provisionally reopen the government. Nelson's power play again showed the strength of organized labor as a force for political change. Let's take a listen to her speech given on May Day at Howard Terminal in Oakland. Thank you, Melvin. And happy May Day, everybody. I'm the president of the Association of Flight Attendants, CWA. And, you know, when we say May Day in the airline industry around the docks, it's not necessarily a good thing. But it does get everybody's attention, doesn't it? So 133 years ago, workers stood up on an eight-day strike for the eight-hour day. There are workers who died for our rights. There are workers who died for our rights to form our unions, for working people to be able to come together and make our lives better. And I think we need to start out today with some union pride because we couldn't be here right now. We couldn't be taking on this fight for this port. We couldn't be doing anything that we have to push our country forward for our children if it were not for our unions. So, on the count of three, I want to hear you yell out your union. One, two, three. Tell you right now, 
when people with money and power hear that there's going to be an airport built by them or there is going to be a construction site near them. What do they do? They say, not in my backyard. They put together petitions with their corporate elite neighbors and they call their powerful friends in the state houses and in the city halls and they say, I am entitled to have a nice place to live. Well, let me tell you something. Workers of this country who move this country, build this country, make up America, deserve to have a nice place to live too. We deserve bread and we deserve roses too, do we not? Okay. So now all over this country, and do we have some Oakland teachers here?
us in jeopardy as flight attendants. I can tell you what it's like to form memorials for my friends who have died in a catastrophic accident. I know what it's like to be on the investigation team to determine what rules we should put in place because those regulations were written in my friend's blood. I know what it's like to put new security in place in this country because terrorists came and claimed my friend's lives. And if we had known even one minute before those things happened, we would have laid down our own lives to make sure that they didn't. So, as two million people were out of work, other people were forced to come to work without pay, and the rest of us were going to work in an increasingly, increasingly unsafe environment, it was time to talk about what labor was willing to do to stand up for our sisters and brothers, to stand up for our union rights, to stand up for the basic principle that if you go to work, you get paid. And so we said, we need to talk about all of labor joining together in a general strike to hold you accountable, Mr. Trump, for putting all of our lives on the line. And we have to know, we have to know what we're willing to do to stand up for each other. You know, I think back to, I think back to the Boston Marathon bombing and how the community pulled together and did things that other cities might have thought was impossible. They were on lockdown in their homes and they had their eyes everywhere. They were looking for those terrorists and then they helped each other, pull each other up and heal in that community. And since we're talking about baseball here, I'm just gonna say that I am a Boston-based flight attendant and so yes, I am a Red Sox fan. But hold on, but hold on. But hold on, the Red Sox had something to tell us here. <laughs> Yankees suck. Okay, so, so David Ortiz stood in the middle of Fenway Park, in the middle of that effort to pull that community together and pull everyone back up and work together. You know what he said? He said, this is our f***ing city. And I'm going to tell you something. With that sense of urgency, with that sense of calling, it is time for Oakland to say, this is our city! So, look to your left, look to your right, tell everybody around you, I've got your back!
See, I gotta draw a line, I can't take it no more If you ain't down with revolution, what you waiting for? Making money for suckers and not communities poor Ripping flags off of coffins, man, this ain't our war Colonizing, terrorized by the world's biggest killers The U.S. government, the biggest weapon and drug dealers Filling prisons with children, incarcerating the future MySpace and Facebook got us stuck on computers Stuck on stupid bumping music that's abusive to the shorties And the nonsense that you're spitting, they just listening, absorbing I've been dormant, I've been working, I'm a giant, I'm ready I'm with the Apple in Oaxaca and we hold the machetes I rock hard like Palestinian children holding slingshots I'm with every single kid that's down for hip-hop For the culture, the life, what it really stands for This music is resistance, it's the voice of the poor I'm on the side of the workers, the teachers, the lunch ladies On the streets with brown mommies, raising our brown babies I'm with youth organized, cleaning up the Bronx River I'm like I miss Galante when I stand and deliver I'm with Yeah, hello, welcome back You are listening to Full Circle here on KPFA 94.1 FM that was Rebel Diaz with Which Side Are You On? And before the music break, we heard Sarah Nelson, president of Association of Flight Attendants Union, speaking at Howard Terminal during the ILWU May Day Rally. And just a reminder that this was a special video broadcast production with live streaming video from the Port of Oakland and Oscar Grant Plaza. You can go to our website, kpfaapprentice.org, immediately after the show, where we have links to all the videos we hear tonight. Also, be sure to check out the special Facebook page, Pacifica Radio Mayday Broadcast. There's more videos there from around the world. That's Pacifica Radio Mayday Broadcast on Facebook. Now, let's get on with our show. After the rally at Howard Terminal, the crowds of workers marched through the streets of Oakland and made their way downtown to Oscar Grant Plaza. There, they met with even more workers and community organizers for another rally, put on by Oakland Sin Fronteras, Critical Resistance, and a coalition of other organizations. It was here First Voice Apprentice Sharon Peterson and KPFA veteran Miguel Gavilan Molina spoke with Mohammed Sheikh of Critical Resistance. Welcome, Mohammed. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So let, uh, tell us a little bit about Critical Resistance. Yeah, Critical Resistance is a national grassroots organization whose mission is to abolish the prison industrial complex. So that means that we fight against policing, imprisonment, surveillance, and other interlocking systems of state violence that uh, seek to control our communities. And, and they control you whether you're inside or outside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this country locks up more people than any other country on earth at the highest rate than any other country on earth, right? And so that impacts not only the people that are in prison, but also their family members, their loved ones. They, you know, it, it significantly impacts people's ability to have access to basic resources like stable housing, jobs, education, healthcare, and, and everything that we need to survive. And in some cases, they lose the vote forever. They lose the power to vote. Yeah, absolutely. And there's you know a really strong movement right now to re-enfranchise imprisoned people into the, the, uh, the process to be able to actually vote. Yeah. Well, you know, Mohammed, you made a point about this country. Uh, we're a population of what? Maybe 500 million? Uh, compared to China that has over a billion people and yet we this country has more people in prison than countries that are twice 
you know, or three times the size we are in populations. Uh, it's just unbelievable. But again, if you look at the prison population in the United States, it's basically of color and poor people, black, brown, and poor people. Mm -hmm. uh, here in California, it's outrageous. Uh, it's a profit-making, uh, you know, entity, you know, for the government. Uh, not just that, you know, housing people, building prisons, uh, and then they talk about economic economic development, and they'll build, build a prison in a rural area and go, look, we brought jobs to the area. Mm -hmm. uh, really? Mm -hmm. But again, who goes into those prisons? Who profits from those prisons? And not just building prisons and running, operating uh, prisons by private companies, but then you have prison labor, okay, which is another issue. You know, people incarcerated sometimes for life have to work for free producing from license plates to producing uh, electronic pieces, equipment, and so forth. Could you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I mean, I think it's an extremely important issue to lift up, particularly as we are here celebrating International Workers' Day. So you have, you know, imprisoned people that work. You have imprisoned people that are forced to work, right? And what's actually um, interesting is to look at there's the, the main work that prisoners do in prison is to reproduce the prison, right? So to do the housework of the prison. They do the laundry. They do the, the reproduction of the prison is done by the prisoners, right? So you can only imagine if prisoners were, were paid how much of a high cost that would be to the, um, the state governments that are running prisons. And, you know, Prison, private prison companies are particular, you know, are egregious, but not particularly egregious in the scope of how much control they have over the prison industrial complex, right? Because you have eight percent of the amount of people that are in prison run by private prison companies, but the rest of the system is public. So we have to also look at the interplay between the private interest and what the public government and public spending is is actually doing and what role they have in this system. Well, it's interesting when we start talking about today, workers' rights, workers, you know, international labor around the world. In that sense, there are no boundaries or, or, or frontiers. Workers are united internationally. But yet, there's a population of workers that are incarcerated. There are producing products that mainstream outside of the prison walls uh, use, utilize. You know, so there is... Uh, uh, a benefit from the pop, the populace, the citizenry in this country that benefit from cheap labor, you know, that's that's uh, you know forced into into production in the prison system. Is there any talk mm -hmm. within that that population of org unionizing inside of the prison system? Yeah, I mean, we have seen a lot of increase in terms of how much organizing prisoners are doing. You know, there was the prisoner hunger strikes of 2011 and 2013 that that, that was focused on solitary confinement, and that was led by imprisoned people. Since then, there have been a lot of actions that have been taking place across prisons in this country that are about really stopping business as usual within the prison system, stop the functioning of the of the prison regime, right? And the relatively small amount of people that work to produce goods that are used by society in prison, we also look at the way that imprisonment as a worker's issue targets people that have been deemed 
superfluous, that mm -hmm. have been deemed unwanted by society, unable to be incorporated into the labor force. We see that the way that that plays out in the military industrial complex against third world people, against people in other countries that are deemed undesirable, unwanted, superfluous, that, you know, um, we are able to just wage wars in those countries. So today, International Workers' Day, it's about workers' rights and how that connects to all of these issues, to imperialism, to the fact that immigrants coming to this country are coming to work because their economies and societies have been devastated by imperialism and economic intervention on the part of Western powers. So we stand together in solidarity beyond and across prison walls and across borders to abolish the current state of affairs. And that's a good point. Uh, we don't think of prisoners as being workers oh. who contribute to society. And they are. So, yes, let's stand in solidarity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, prisoners will tell you that upon getting out, the number one thing that they have the hardest time doing, you know, reintegrating into society, coming back to their communities, is finding a job, mm -hmm. right? So we really have to take that into account when talking about workers' rights. Banning the box, not having, uh, you know, the, the checks on priors or convictions. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Well, Mohammed, thank you so much for your words. Uh, uh, Mohammed is with the Media and Communications Director for Critical Resistance, and uh, we got your back homes. Thank you. And anytime in the future you need to bring words or you need to, you know, inform the public, we're here for you. For right now, is there? Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they if they want to support your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you can visit our website, criticalresistance.org. You know, I'm here right now in Oakland. We have the Oakland chapter that has worked on Stop Urban Shield that is working to shut down a jail in San Francisco. So uh, we're building up alternatives to policing. So visit our website, check us out, and get involved. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Mohammed. You are listening to Full Circle, coming to you from the Pacifica Radio Mothership, KPFA 94.1 FM. That song you just heard was Three Miles Down by Gil Scott Heron. And before that, you heard our very own first voice apprentice, Sharon Peterson, alongside Miguel Molina of La Onda Bajita, as they spoke with Muhammad Sheikh of Critical Resistance. And tonight we are featuring sounds from our special Pacifica Radio May Day broadcast. All the May Day interviews you are hearing were video streamed live 
as it happened on May Day. This was a special collaboration of Workweek Radio, Bright Path Video, We Rise Productions, and the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. If this kind of programming and this type of information is something you support, please take the time to go to kpfa.org and make a contribution. And while you're at it, make a note that you support special programming like May Day. We would appreciate it. We do the work as a way to serve our communities, our listener communities, our activist communities, our labor communities, and even our producer, editor, and engineering communities. Uh, we thought this programming was important enough to bring it to you live as it happened. We did this on kpfa.org. Again, thank you to all that donated tonight as we are wrapping up this latest fund drive. We are listener-supported, and that means supported by you. So thank you, and please continue to go to kpfa.org and make any donation possible. Well, let's get on with some of that special programming that I've been talking about. Another community that the apprenticeship program has always served has been the Palestinian community. And the Bay Area Palestinian community has always been a big supporter of organized labor in the Bay Area and around the world. A great example of this multi-organizational, activist, labor, and media collaboration is the Block the Boat demonstration and simultaneous broadcast on KPFA in 2014. Led by local Palestinian activists and their allies, supported by the ILWU Longshoremen Local 10, and the community, and broadcast live on KPFA and video streamed on kpfa.org. As the longshoremen refused to unload cargo from the Israeli Zim liner ships, and thousands of people prepared to show their support for the ILWU, and what happened? The ship never came in. And in fact, it hasn't come to the Port of Oakland in the five years since. This fact is not far from the minds of the Palestinian General Federation of Trade Unions, and to show their beliefs in internationalism and their solidarity with the ILWU, they sent this statement to be read at the demonstration in Oakland. The statement is read by Lara Kaswani of Arab Resource Organizing Center, also known to us as AROC. Comrades of struggle in Oakland, California, from the shores of the Mediterranean Sea and from the heart of steadfast and resisting Gaza Strip in the face of the most powerful forces of wanton aggression and racism in the 21st century, our workers and our families face indescribable everyday suffering in fighting a cruel and racist siege that has blocked all life access of land, sea, and air for nearly 12 years. What increases the determination and resilience of our people is that we are confident that we have the power of solidarity and unity that surpasses brute military force. We still remember your challenge to the Zionist settlement system when you stood took a principled stand and prevented the Israeli Zim ship from loading or unloading in the port of Oakland. Today from the Gaza Strip, we are following with great concern what is going on against you and your families of violation of your work sites, your housing, by the forces of greed and exploitation that is getting big support from the Trump administration and its allies and the 1% who live on exploitation of the poor and working families. On this International Workers' Day, on behalf of the General Federation of Palestinian Workers in Gaza, 
to the members of the International and Longshore Warehouse Union in Oakland, California, we wholeheartedly and sincerely express our unconditional support to the members of the union, their families and communities. We are, you, we are with you in one trench in the face of forces of imperialism, occupation and racism everywhere. Today on International Workers' Day and tomorrow and every day and until the might of justice triumphs over the might of those in power. The people united will never be defeated. Join me in the chant so we can share this with Palestine and let them hear you loud and clear. Long live international solidarity. Yes, welcome back to KPFA. You are listening to Full Circle and our report back from the May Day action at Oscar Grant Plaza. And that was Laura Kaswani of the Arab Resource Organizing Center reading a statement of solidarity from the Palestinian General Federation of Trade Unions. Now from Palestine, let's turn our attention to another global hotspot. This time we focus on South America and the U.S. government's attempts to overthrow the duly elected president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro, and insert their puppet, Juan Guaido. On May Day, at the time of this interview, the U.S.-backed opposition leader Juan Guaido had just launched what turned out to be a failed coup attempt. There to give us the latest was... Alice Luiza of Task Force on the Americas and former KPFA labor reporter and photographer David Bacon. Hello, Alice Luiza from Task Force on the Americas. Why don't you uh, bring us uh, up to speed uh, your best understanding of what's going on now? Well, yesterday was part of a U.S. effort to create a coup and to overthrow the government, the Bolivarian government of Venezuela, that has been going on for probably 20 years, as long as the Bolivarians exist in Venezuela. Uh, the Bolivarians came to power 20 years ago in 1999 with Chavez and uh, I lived at that time in Colombia and they were a very very important uh, point for all of Latin America unity and Latin American struggle. So it wasn't just in Venezuela, they influenced everybody throughout the Americas. Uh, they were very important and this of course became a problem to the US because the Bolivarian ideal is to uh, be sovereign. And, and to reject foreign intervention in the country. So uh, for many years, it has been a problem for the United States, and the United States has been trying to figure out how they can overthrow uh, this very popular government. So yesterday was one point um, of that 20-year coup that they've been planning, and they have, um, the, their recent person is a, a guy, unknown guy, named Juan Guaido, who uh, they've pulled into the pulled into the play of the coup, uh, and he um, he tried to he tried to convince people that he had influence in the military and was going to be able to take over the country yesterday, and it was all false. It was all orchestrated from outside, um, from Colombia mostly, uh, with in the, from the U.S. embassy in Colombia. Anyway, the people very, very wonderfully defeated that intent of coup yesterday. It was a very, um, it was a very thrilling thing to see how they were able to defeat that and to put it down. Thank you. And it, it, uh, it does appear 
that it was a failed coup. Uh, the coup leaders, uh, one of them is now, I guess, hiding in the uh, which embassy? Chilean embassy. In the Chilean embassy, trying to figure out what to do because this so-called coup uh, turned into uh, a little bit less a than fiasco. nothing. <laughs> it was. Not only that, uh, they said that they had military who were, the military was supporting them, and there were a few military that were bought off and, and, and supported them, and there are 25 military people in the Brazilian embassy right now asking for exile, and, um, and Lopez is trying to get out through Chile. Sounds something like the Bay of Pigs. It's very similar to the Bay of Pigs. It's very similar to Libya. It's very similar to many, many, many coups to Honduras. It's very similar to Haiti. It's very similar to Guatemala. It's very similar to the long, long, long list Let's see, of When coups. was the Mon Monroe Doctrine passed? Was that 1829? Yes. And what did the Monroe Doctrine say? That everything south of the, of the U.S. border is owned by the United States. The United States has its, the right to do whatever it wants. The right to do whatever yeah. they want, exactly. Um, let me bring, we, uh, this is a good place to bring our next guest along with you. David Bacon, uh, welcome to this special international kpfa.org broadcast stream live brought to you by the apprenticeship program uh, and lots of people who love free speech radio uh, welcome people. could you talk about the intersection between immigrants rights and union rights and how that works together and the importance of that synergy well I think that that when you talk to people about why people come out here on medium have been since 2006 I think it's the people want their rights. So, okay, what rights is it that people want? Well, clearly, the right to be here. You have the right to be safe, the right to have your family free from the threat of being separated, the right of being free from deportation, um, the right to be here. But people also talk about, you know, the right to stay home, home yeah. possibly being, you know, San Miguel Cuevas in Oaxaca. So what changes have to take place in order for people to be able to the right to stay home and then if you're going to be here we all have to work especially if you're an immigrant who is here so why is it the immigrant workers get condemned to that part of the workforce that has the lowest wages the least secure jobs the most contracted out you know the worst conditions so people want a decent life yeah and i think those I'm sorry, go ahead. Thank you, thank you. And I wanted Alice to give you a chance because you gave us this really helpful update on what's going on on the ground in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. But also I wanted to have you share more about what brings you here today specifically. Well, specifically today I've been here as a participant in the organizing of the event, uh, working with that. and I With think Oakland Sin Fronteras? Oakland Sin Fronteras, yes. And um, I work with Marcha Patriotica in Colombia. Yeah, tell and, us more about that. Yeah, Marcha Patriotica is a coalition group of uh, different different groups in Colombia, different parties in Colombia, that was part of the peace process. Um, we worked m many years with peasant groups and peasant organizations. The unification of the movement in Colombia, which was very difficult after the 90s. Um, and we were able to form CONAP, which is a, a coordination of uh, peasant groups within Colombia. Mm -hmm. uh, and right now, uh, Colombia is fighting paramilitarism, uh, fighting the right-wing government, and has seven military bases, U.S. military bases in Colombia. Um, and there was, a, there was a general strike on Thursday of last week 
Uh, there's a lot going on in Colombia, but nobody knows about it, nobody hears about it. And uh, there's a lot of solidarity with Venezuela and the struggle in Venezuela. And um, a lot of criticism of how the government in Colombia, which is a right-wing government, is supporting the U.S. and trying to promote the coup in Venezuela instead of attending the problems at home in Colombia of the extreme poverty and the violence. When you say, what do you say uh, when sort of uh, the Trump administration and uh, uh, leadership in Washington say that uh, uh, this president is corrupt, it's obvious that the people want to get rid of him, they don't want him anymore, and uh, uh, there's this uh, Bolivarian revolution is standing in the way of the future of the people of Venezuela. Oh, it's all a lie. I, it's you know, people are very, very supportive of Maduro and very supportive of the Bolivarian Revolution. What the people who are not are generally tend to be the middle class and the upper class people in the country, which has happened. The same thing has happened in Colombia, and sometimes the people are not so middle class, but they're convinced because the massive, massive media barrage of right wing media owned by the U.S. And, and constructed and, and orchestrated by the U.S. all over the world convinces people through TV shows, through telenovelas, through all kinds of ways, through news. And so they constantly convince people that their interests are, their, their interests are not really their interests. Boy, does that sound familiar. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's the same structure here, no? It's the same like, thing here. How the people who did vote for Trump did, why they voted, because of all of the storytelling, because of the way in which our corporatized media tells the story right. of the people who buy them, buy, but, buy it, right? But to, to answer that also, yes, I wanted to say that Maduro was an elected, he's a legally of the most transparent elections in all of Latin America. You say he was elected, yes. He was elected yeah. legally. And the problem with the U.S. is that the people didn't vote the way the way uh, the U.S. wanted. So that's why he's become a... Uh, the, a target of yep. the United States government and exactly. the coup, and it clearly is a coup. David, I want your response to the coup. We're, we're calling it on flashpoints a failed coup uh, by the United States government. Your thoughts on that? Well, sure I do. I think that it is one of a long, long line of efforts by the United States to try to hold on to its domination of countries in Latin America. And Venezuela sits, by no coincidence, on top of the largest deposits of oil in the world. You know, we have people in the Trump administration saying openly, you know, Bolton said it, um, that if there were a coup in Venezuela, that the U.S. would ensure that U.S. companies were first in line um, to get access to the oil there. So this is really about the same kind of imperialism that all the efforts, you know, so what, what, what's different about this than what we saw in Honduras? You know, when Miguel Zelaya was elected um, president of Honduras, what was his crime that caused him to be deposed by the Honduran military with the support of Hillary Clinton and the State Department and the U.S. government? It was that he wanted to raise the minimum wage, he wanted free college education for Hondureños, um, and he threatened the interests of the U.S., and that was enough to cause him to, you know, basically lose the presidency of Honduras. And I want to say, too, that that, by no coincidence and no accident, 
is also part of the reason why so many people from Honduras are coming to the Ab United States. Absolutely. Thank you for linking both of you. This was really interesting to hear you weave weave it all together. All right. Thank all right. you. Well, we thank both you of you. David Bacon and Alice Loaisa from Task Force on the thank Americas. And much. I don't know, I feel like I should know where David came from, but and I don't David know. And David Bacon, how do people follow your work and, your, and see the photography? Because you document uh, this world in a way that's crucial. I think the easiest way is just to Google my name, David Bacon Reality Check, and they'll find my blog, and that's where it all is. And they'll see extraordinary photography and great journalism. We thank, thank you. both of you. Thank you, thank you for much. your all time right. and all you do. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. El pueblo unido Welcome back to Full Circle right here on KPFA 94.1 FM. That song you just heard was El Pueblo Unido by Inti Ilmani. Again, another shout out to all that contributed to making our Mayday video broadcast production a huge success. Bright Path Video, Work Week Radio, We Rise Productions, Dennis Bernstein, Miguel Gavilan Molina, and of course, the KPFA First Voice Apprentices. Thank you so much, everybody. And that does wrap it up for our May Day report back, but we do have one more bit of information to pass on to you about an excellent exhibit, New Mestiz X, opening up tonight in the Mission out there in San Francisco. I'm going to throw it over to our very own Kenny C. with this update. And this is Full Circle right here on KPFA 94.1 FM. I'm Kenny C. And tonight I have the pleasure of welcoming in my dear friend and sister, Sammy C. She's here to speak a bit about a very exciting show she's curating. This is New Mesties X. This visual art exhibition opens on Friday, May 24th, and is going to run for three weeks. It will include 12 local artists of Filipinx and Latinx heritage and their works. Through photography, mixed media, prints, paintings, textile, and audio installations, these artists explore how gentrification, motherhood, transnational migration, and intergenerational transmission of culture informs how they choose to remember or redefine traditions. Okay, so before we get into the details of the event itself, Sammy, welcome in. And can you tell folks a bit about yourself and the work that you do in your community? Right on. Thank you, Kenny C. 
Shout out to KPFA for having me in the building. Uh, I am a visual artist, muralist, digital artist, and now an emerging arts exhibition curator, born and raised here in the beautiful Bay Area. And my work as an artist typically centers on engaging folks uh, from underrepresented communities in conversations predominantly about healing, about wellness, about identity, and inviting people to co-create artworks with me um, in the form of murals, in the form of exhibitions, uh, so that we can be collaborative creatively together and learn to know each other a little bit more deeply in different ways. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. Very proud of the work that, that you've been doing lately in the community. So let's get to the event itself. How did this all come about? Well, this show uh, really came about by being inspired by the work of a particular writer. Her name is Gloria Ansaldúa. Many of you probably have read her work. She's uh, most famous for working with Sherry Moraga to put together the anthology of radical women of color uh, writings called This Bridge Called My Back. And she also in 1987, wrote a book called Borderlands, Sin Fronteras, Mm. uh, The New Mestiza. And this was a defining book for me because it talked a lot about what she called mestiza consciousness. That is the lens in which people who come from multiple cultures might see the world. And how do we stand and be resilient when there's so many multiple parts of our identity that inform us linguistically, Mm. culturally, geographically. And I think that really was something that I wanted to explore deeper with other artists in my community. So this idea of being mixed and having a hybrid background is something that I think all humans can relate to. And so by creating artwork around that, particularly with Uh, Latino and Filipino artists were exploring how the word mestiza is a a lens and a metaphor um, for how various cultures navigate the world. Great. So the title of your show is New Mestiz X. Can you sort of define this term for us, talk about its origins and what it means as a theme that's sort of threading together all the works that are going to be showcased? Yeah. So New Mestiz X came from the work of Gloria Ansaldúa, and she defined New Mestiza as a person who lives at the borderland and has a foot in multiple worlds and can, from in between multiple places, push back against the binaries that sometimes other us, you know, whether it's gender identity, sexual orientation, race, class. Um, she questioned a lot of these things through this lens of new mestiza. So new X is inspired by the work of Gloria Ansaldúa, and she defined that as a lens or a consciousness, a way of seeing the world from a person who crosses borders, who builds bridges. And traditionally, that term mestiza um, has been used to describe people of mixed mixed heritage, indigenous and Spanish blood, you know, traditionally. Um, And it's sort of, it was sort of a sign for conquest or colonialism. Um, Yet in Ansaldua's work and in this show, we talk about the the strength and the newness and the resilience that comes from 
mestiza, mestizex, mestizo. And, you know, she writes that like corn, you know, a mestiza is a product of crossbreeding designed for preservation under a variety of conditions. So it's this Mm. resilient lens that's worth really understanding the nuances of. So I know that, of course, you and your partner, Ray, are curating this event, but who exactly is going to be hosting you? Can you tell us a little bit about those organizations? Yes, yes. I'm very, very, very grateful to my partners in this show. The uh, hosts uh, of the gallery show are Action Latina, and they're a nonprofit gallery based in the Mission on 24th Street since the 70s. Wow. And they're dedicated to really just promoting cultural arts and uh, community and media uh, as a way of building healthy Latino communities in San Francisco. And they have a a newspaper that comes out of there. And they also have the Juan Arfuentes Gallery, which is a community gallery that they open up uh, to emerging artists and curators like myself to create in. So they are holding the space. uh, And it's also sponsored by Asian Pacific Islander Cultural Center, uh, which is a incredible organization that supports API artists to create new works and to talk about identity and uh, build community as well. So both of those together have really created a platform for over 15 artists to come together and explore this concept. How great. Yeah, I think these kinds of communities are so necessary in this time, especially in the mission, times when, you know, our landscapes are really changing and a lot of our folks are being pushed out to be able to hold space for something like this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So back to the show, I know there's 12 artists that Mm -hmm. are going to be showcased. Is there anyone or anything that you're specifically really excited about or what are you, what are you feeling excited about for the show? Yeah, there's so, so much to be excited about. I've invited amazing local artists to, take this idea of numestisex and uh, bring it into their own terms. So we have mothers who are redefining what motherhood looks like, Mm. pushing back on the binaries of what society says a mom should look like or feel like. Um, That's Kate Dash with New Photography. I'm super, super excited about the work of Cecilia Cassandra. She is creating a piece of work that's celebrating La Malinche, which is the Nahuam woman who played a key role in colonization of the Aztec Empire by being the lover of Hernan Cortez. So she's creating beaded work, celebrating and really questioning that mythology. Um, We also have amazing men who are exploring sabong or cockfighting through painting (laughs) to really get at nuances of masculinity, machismo, challenging gender identity. Um, Incredible audio artists as well, documenting the stories of mixed Filipina Americans, their stories, what it's like to grow up in the mission. Uh, That's Penai's Rising project. So all in all, uh, it's going to be an incredible collaboration of amazing artists. And we also have live music by Boondock Squad. We've got food, a Mexipino menu by an incredible local group of women, Word on the Street. And uh, of course, my partner Ray is curating uh, what's called the Frisco Pino Cipher. And that's inspired by the work of San Francisco poets Al Robles and Tony Robles, the people's poet, that talks about Frisco Pinos, what are Filipinos from San Francisco all about. And so we'll have pop-up ciphers um, and get, you know, 
It's going to be popping in there. Sounds like there's a lot to be excited about. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So again, for folks who are listening, the details, when is this happening? Where is this happening? If folks want more information, where can they go? Yes, so we will see you there at New Mesties X. It's on May 24th, 2019, 6 to 9 p.m. at Action Latina Gallery. Uh, that is in the mission. You can find me on Instagram at Sammy C Art or my website, www.sammyc.com. And you can find all the information there about the show. And I hope to see you there. Lovely. Opening reception, May 24th. Juan R. Fuentes Gallery. Our Fuentes Gallery. All right. Well, I hope to see everybody there. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Congratulations to you and good luck. Again, I'm Kenny C. And I have been speaking with Sammy C. about her upcoming show, New Mesties X. Hope to see you all there. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. And thank you, Kenny C., for that great update and information. Again, the opening reception for new Meztes X is happening tonight as we speak from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So if you happen to be in the San Francisco area, stop on by for some great food, music, and art. If you can't catch it tonight, you still have plenty of time as the show will run for the next three weeks. Again, that's the new Meztes X at Action Latina's Juan R. Fuentes Gallery. 2958 24th Street in San Francisco. And that does bring us to the end of our show tonight. Tune in next week for Kenny C. and Hannah as they speak with folks involved in the Berkeley World Music Festival. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is myself, Free Will and Franklin. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And again, I have been your host, Free Will and Franklin. Thanks to Stevie G over there on the board and technical assistance from Eric Datboy Media. Again, Thanks for listening. Up next, La Onda Bajita. Stay tuned.